it's not just how does an individual behave, but it's really what does that individual do? And we use a lot of the same techniques to identify good behavior that we do to identify bad behavior. And so I've really learned through this journey that even though my focus and much of my career has been trying to root out bad behavior and find bad people, oftentimes we find ways to really focus on good behavior and, and support that and enforce that through some of the same techniques. Hi, everyone. It's Julie Verhage-Greenberg here with your Tux Time podcast from FinTech Today, where we talk about all things FinTech. In this episode, I am joined by Clark Frogley, a former FBI agent and current head of financial crime for Quantexa. Clark, I have never interviewed an FBI agent before, so I'm excited to dive into this. Great. Well, it's good to be the first. What gets a former FBI agent into the fintech space? <laughs> yeah, that's a really good question. I, uh, I've taken a real circuitous route, I guess, to get here. But you know, I've spent my whole life, right, my whole career w- within the FBI and then post FBI, really looking at how do we, you know, how do we catch the bad guys? How do we better understand who's who's doing what? Who are they doing it with? How are they doing things? And in today's world, everything's become very digital. Everything is very focused on connecting devices, connecting people, and technology is really becoming more and more the answer to this question, right? How do we stop money laundering? How do we identify fraud? How do we you know, really make a difference in this space? You can't just do it, I think, with you know, improved operations and other things. Technology is just playing such a huge role in this that it's, I think it's a natural route for someone to take who really wants to to spend time in this space. Yeah. And you say bad guys, like what kind of bad guys are we talking about here? I assume it's obviously like more cyber related and stuff, not guys that are like serial killers or anything <laughs> like that. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's a good point, but you'd be surprised on the kinds of things, right? That from a digital perspective, we're able to identify today as we, as we do forensics investigations. Um, so much of that includes digital footprints and you know, tracing people's digital footprint by IP addresses and spending patterns and all kinds of other things. So while my focus is more on things like anti-money laundering and fraud and counter-terrorist financing and things like that, there are lots of existing law enforcement and former law enforcement that spend a lot of time looking for more traditional, you know, bad behavior that just has in today's world a digital footprint that we may not have been able to trace in previous lives. What got you into the FBI Um, and how did your role there sort of change as the internet became a bigger and bigger thing? Yeah, without disclosing uh, my age or anything, I started, um, you know, back in uh, in the days when the internet was just really, you know, coming into play. And um, I got interested in the FBI simply because at the time I was getting ready to graduate college. I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do. I was headed to law school. Uh, my father had spent some time in the FBI after World War II, and I guess I grew up with some stories about it. So it it really captured my interest. I wanted I, I spoke Japanese. I wanted to use my language in some way. So international law was kind of where I headed. And when the FBI and some other agencies came recruiting, um, they really captured my interest and uh, ended up convincing me that that would be a great place to start my professional career. So for someone that might be even like newer to fintech, what does cybercrime and fintech have in common then? Like what areas of fintech are seeing the the biggest impact from this where you're doing a lot of your work? Certainly within, you know, obviously financial services, you can imagine that under heavy regulation and all of the requirements that 
customers are having from real-time payments to, um, you know, just better being able to to understand products and services that financial services become a real, real draw for anybody that is focused in all things, I think, technology. And so, you know, regulatory compliance is such a changing environment and the more products that are introduced into the market, um, then the, the more focus on, you know, what does that mean from a regulatory perspective? What does that mean from privacy perspective? What does that mean from a security perspective? And so as all those things come together, anything from cybersecurity, so protecting people and their information to investigations, how, how could I go out and really understand, you know, I look at risk, for example, uh, this whole concept of, of risk and compliance in the world today. It's not just how does an individual behave, but it's really what does that individual do? Who do they be who do they interact with? How do they interact? Why do they interact? All that information really becomes important in understanding, you know, where I need to focus my my time and effort. And that that means whether I'm concerned from a, a privacy or security perspective, but also just how do I help a customer better, you know, how do I help an institution better market to their customers? Um, and we use a lot of the same techniques to identify good behavior that we do to identify bad behavior. And so I've really learned through this journey that even though my focus and much of my career has been trying to root out bad behavior and find, um, you know, as I mentioned before, bad, bad people, um, it, it oftentimes we find ways to really focus on good behavior and, and support that and, and enforce that through some of the same techniques. Whenever I hear like cybercrime and whatnot, I automatically think of, you know, bad guys and bad behavior, as you say, versus thinking like, okay, like what can we do with some of the good data that's also used to identify the, the bad stuff out there? Talk to me a little bit about what kind of, like what designates good behavior and how do you find that? Yeah. So as you can imagine, you know, just to compare contrast, right? If if we're looking at bad behavior, we're looking at the way that people might try to obfuscate, you know, their persona. So they may manipulate their dates of birth, their address, uh, their name, um, but there's usually things that will still link them together. They don't necessarily change everything. It's very difficult to change everything, but I can flip-flop dates. I can do other things that, that might make it more difficult to connect me to my same persona in another institution where maybe I was um, offboarded as a as a high risk customer who had committed some nefarious activities, and so the bank closed my accounts, and now I'm at some other institution. If I can link those together and understand that individual is trying to again apply for credit and services, and they've already got a a, a history of bad behavior, that's something a financial institution will want to know. On the other side, though, where maybe I've recently had a change in my my life, I've gotten married, or I've graduated college, or I'm ready to buy my first home, or all those kinds of things that come up. There is information that, you know, come from my interaction with different businesses and other things that would be indicators of things that I'm ready to do, th where areas I'm ready to spend money, areas I'm ready to expand and grow a business, that I can mine that data uh, and better understand how, as then an institution, how can I reach out and offer services at the right time, at the right rates, and be attractive. We see this in online marketing and online sales all the time. And so all institutions, I think, no matter what they, the business or the services that they offer, 
or are looking for ways to better understand their customer and not just be an annoyance, right? Not just throw ads up in front of people, but do targeted select marketing where I can truly provide the right kinds of services at the right time to help people in their life journey. That's so interesting. On this podcast before, I've talked about how like when I got engaged, when I got married, when I moved to Texas from New York, like yep. not once did a bank or another company contact me with different ideas of things that I should be doing or target me with different advertising or anything like that. So it's in, it's one thing that I'm like, you know, we talk about personal finance, self-driving money, all these things. And it feels like that would be such a natural step. Like, oh, you're married now. Here's like, you should think about doing exactly. a joint account and like all the other things that you should think about. Yeah, exactly. And I think that we're starting to see, right, this is more and more of an area where institutions are focusing. The reason that they've not been very good at this in the past is they struggle with their data. Um, their data is in silos. Their data is, um, you know, we call it dirty data. They, they're missing fields. They, they just haven't done a, a great job of trying to connect the dots and bring it all together. And so at my particular company at Quantexa, one of the things we really help companies do is make better use of their data. So if I can help you bring that data together we do things around entity resolution. So if I can take all of the information, let's say in the bank, that is in reference to you. So it's account data, it's transactional data, it's onboarding data, it's customer service data, it's anything that the bank's got on you. And I can help bring that together so that they have a single view of you as an individual. And then they can begin to do that positive type of marketing, as, all, as well as look at anomalous and suspicious behavior. Maybe somebody's trying to take over your account from a fraud perspective. They're more easily able to pick up that behavior because they can recognize it as behavior that's atypical of you. Um, and so it's a lot of it really boils down to how well can they utilize their data. And that's becoming something that they depend more and more on technology for. So I think you'll see more and more of this going forward. Uh, and there are some institutions that are probably more advanced at doing this today than others, but this will become much more, I think, of a regular focus for many institutions. Yeah, we can't talk about financial crime and money laundering and all that stuff without mentioning some crypto, because that obviously is an area that, you know, it may or may not be getting better. I'm not, you know, in your role kind of diving through where financial crime is and is not happening, but it's definitely a spot where people talk about all the time, like, hey, there was a silk road, like people are laundering money, people are buying drugs anonymously, all these things. Uh, what, what are your thoughts on this space and sort of where we are uh, in the current environment, just given the the ballooning of interest in this area, not only by consumers, but governments also super interested in this now as well. Yeah, this is actually occupying more and more of my time personally and, and my team and others because it is such a topical issue right now. You know, there's so much hype around, you know, crypto, um, how much money, you know, different coins are escalating at and what that means, how safe is it, where is it going? Obviously, it, it brings up issues around regulation um, and where is that headed and what impact will then that have on, you know, the whole crypto exchanges and, the, and, and crypto as an industry, I guess, as, as an ongoing commodity. So it, it is a very... Um, big topic. Uh, of course, it's been abused like like anything else. I think anytime there's something that's considered to be new and cutting edge and and kind of exciting in in whatever way that you might look at it, that always brings out those that then want to take advantage of it. And something like crypto, which 
it's it can be technically challenging to understand it if you're not real familiar with the with the industry and so that lack of understanding or that complexity that comes along with it makes it even more attractive for those that want to take advantage of it and they're going to go out and they're going to target those that are uh, maybe not all that versed in the way that the uh, the world of crypto works and they'll you'll see scams popping up you'll see all kinds of things happening that unfortunately uh, people end up losing a lot of money over yeah and initially when bitcoin started to become a thing i remember credit cards banks and others were you know very skeptical they were even like blocking any sort of crypto transactions like you couldn't buy bitcoin with a credit card mm -hmm. things like that what given that now that's very different like mastercard has a new program that they launched this week where people can buy more cryptocurrency and do transactions on the blockchain. Um, banks have trading desks around cryptocurrencies now and a lot more exposure to it. So what can they actually do to make sure that they're not falling prey to any sort of fraudulent activity, given that that does still exist in this space? Yeah, it definitely does. Um, yeah, a couple of, I think, important things that people should keep in mind. Yes, this whole industry around cryptocurrencies is changing almost daily right it's it's more and more exchanges are are opening more and more coins and products and 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 other things are you know are, are coming to surface uh, people need to be very careful about where they want to invest money anybody who comes to you like any other traditional think of of crypto the same you would think about you know anything in the fiat space you know in the regular currency space or investment space if it's promising high returns if it's has some degree of opaqueness around it i can't fully understand where the money's being invested or how the money's being made or why the returns seem so much better than they would be other otherwise then you should be concerned about that because that is not typical so even with the flux we see in the crypto space right now with a high degree of, of volatility the ones that are more stable uh well bitcoin is an example right the ones that have become a bit more stable show that there's some reliability. The ones that are more volatile, you know, the day traders love that volatility. That's where they try to make their money, but there's a high degree of risk that comes with that. So in all of that space, I would be looking at, you know, how well known is the exchange itself? What's the reputation? How many investors? You know, just look the same way you would do some due diligence on any other investment. You're going to have the same, you're going to find the same kinds of things. You're going to find higher risk, more you know, problems, challenges in some areas than you will in others. And, uh, you know, unless you have a, a, an extreme tolerance for risk, I would stay with the ones that are a bit more reputable and, and have, you know, less associated risk with them. So with governments gaining more interest as well, it seems like there would be, you know, better detection of all these things and, you know, banks are going to have to tighten things down. Companies like the one you work at are going to be very busy, but it also feels like the criminals are getting that much smarter, that much faster as well. So how, how does the industry sort of keep up with all of this? Yeah, well, it kind of gets back to some of the challenges around the regulations. Um, I know I've spoken to several people in the last month or so that have had some real bad experiences that they've invested with some of the more you know questionable exchanges they've had their accounts hacked into they've had money drained out um, so there's definitely still some risk associated with it uh, people that are interested in 
you know, doing criminal activity uh, are looking at this as just another opportunity. So again, it's staying with the with the firms without the the consistent regulation. That means there's going to be gaps in how well your data is protected, um, and it's something that you know even the best companies struggle with. So those that haven't invested in any of the uh, AML requirements around know your customer, around monitoring, around data privacy and protection. That's where we're going to see uh, the bad guys really focusing their efforts. It's it's far more difficult to do it in a you know in a well reputable exchange than it would be in some of the others. We also see it difficult, right? You see a lot of the tumblers and 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 other uh, services popping up, right, in order to to mask and hide some of the the transfer of finance. And a lot of the nefarious activity tries to make use of a lot of, of what's going on there and a lot of what happens in the dark web. So people, again, need to be sensitive. They need to be careful about who they're interacting with and why. If they're truly interested in this, this industry will continue to develop. It will get more regulation applied to it, whether you know people think that's good or bad. It, it's bound to happen. It needs to find a balance so that it can be safe. Um, but it is exciting. So there's lots of, of neat opportunity here. Uh, it's just immature and it's it's going through a lot of growing pains right now. So the banks, as you said, the banks have moved from good grief, what's my risk? I'm very concerned about this. We don't want to touch it to how do I become a custody agent? How do I bank the exchanges? How do I do all these things? They, they kind of want to take part in it now. So it's already made significant change just in the last you know two years. What areas like still have the most work to do? Is it money laundering? Is it identity theft? Is it something else? Like where, where is it still just like such a robust environment that you see it happening a lot? And you know, there hasn't been as much to combat that as some of the other spots. Yeah, I think that one of the biggest challenges is going to be in the uh, the KYC. So the know your customer, the onboarding of new customers. We we tend to think because of blockchain technology that all of those risks have gone away, but unfortunately, it's just not true. Um, so making sure that you know we've done the proper due diligence, that identifications are are validated and verified, um, and then the the monitoring of finances. There's only some, banks can't today see. Once it leaves their institution and is converted in one of the exchanges, the banks can no longer see what's going on. So banks have a hard time understanding the movement of funds between themselves through the exchanges to other institutions. Therefore, it's very difficult to understand, is there any money laundering risk there or not? And so constantly looking at trying to connect those dots better, trying to understand their customers, who their customers interact with and, and what their intent are. So there's a lot of work that's going to have to happen around you know, corporations, beneficial ownership, identifications. There have been some new legislation that's been passed by Congress this year focusing on shell companies and, and corporations. So all of that to know your customer, the monitoring, I think are going to continually need additional focus. And then, as you already mentioned earlier, uh, the fraud piece, you know, whether it's a Ponzi type scheme or it's just you know, being attracted to the types of investments that are high risk um, are, are unfortunately not going away, continue to pop up. Um, and until we get some consistent regulation around that and just some good controls in place, those are areas that there's going to be a lot of focus on. Very interesting. Well, Clark, this was so much fun diving into this. Um, like I said, I've never interviewed an FBI agent before, so now I can check that off my bucket <laughs> list. Uh, but otherwise, I 
I look forward to hearing about what you guys at Quantexa are doing. I, like I said, I definitely think you guys will be busy just given everything that's happening on the internet these days. And I don't see that trend, uh, you know, changing anytime soon. But so if anyone wants to follow along, they can check that out. You can also stay on top of everything FinTech related by going to fintechtoday.co and signing up for our newsletter. Otherwise, Clark, thank you so much for joining us. This was fun. Thanks, Julie. I appreciate it. Thanks to all your listeners. 